today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. This continues to go back and forth. Uh, We've really sort of forgotten about the situation with China and the uh, Huawei CFO and the detaining of Canadians in China. That's been overshadowed by the SNC-Lavalin, Jody Wilson-Raybould case. Uh, However, the two are, are, are colliding it appears. Uh, China jumping out all over the uh, the fact that uh, uh, Canada is having its own problems defining rule of law by placing allegedly allegedly placing undue influence and pressure on the uh, Attorney General. As a result, uh, China's state uh, news agency has said that two Canadians who have been detained uh, and have been since uh, the CFO was detained uh, work together, work together to, uh, uh, I guess, um, steal state secrets from China. Uh, the agency cited the unidentified, unidentified Chinese authorities saying f- uh, former Canadian diplomat Michael Kovrig violated Chinese laws by acting as a spy and stealing Chinese state secrets and intelligence with the help of Canadian businessman Michael Spaver. Uh, to talk more about all of this, Michael Tobe is with us, Troy, syndicated muse, uh, Troy Media syndicated columnist, contributor to the Washington Times, and with us now. Michael, thanks as always. Uh, appreciate this. Uh, My pleasure. How, how often do two major problems uh, collide within uh, or collide inside the prime minister's office? This seems like the dominoes are just continuing to fall here. Yeah, I was actually even thinking of it on an international scale. And no, it's not very common, especially two where there's really no direct thread between them. However, you know, it's un- it's not surprising. No matter how many things we say that are bad about the Chinese government, and there are plenty. I'm not shocked, and you probably aren't either, that they would use a major controversy in this country, including which involves a criminal proceeding involving a construction company, to sort of find this kind of weird route to them and sort of state that the, the, you know, that the Trudeau government is not honest, not transparent, does a lot of things improperly, such as what's happening right now with Huawei Technologies and its CEO, Meng Wanzhou, who may be extradited in the next little while. Canada has approved the extradition. It just now has to go through a, a bit of a rigmarole in a process to eventually have her face criminal charges based on dealings with Iran, that being Huawei's dealings with Iran from uh, several years ago, and she would have to face them in the United States. It does seem bizarre that they would tie these two things together. But again, sometimes you take your opportunity, and I think the Chinese government uh, felt that this would be the best way to explain the problem from their point of view and why they feel that Huawei is being mistreated, even though, quite frankly, the record, is, or the public record anyway, is very different than that. So uh, are any of China's points valid? Is this just more propaganda trying to distract from what is, is really going on? At the end of the day, uh, we're certainly not detaining Canadians uh, or detaining Chinese on death row or anything. Nope. Uh, uh, is there any parallel here whatsoever? No. No, there really isn't. I mean, obviously, they're going to look for validity, but no, there's absolutely nothing. It's much the same way that we've seen, say, countries like their ally, North Korea, after the whole summit between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un breakdown. The Americans stated one version of what they claimed happened, which was, as we know, they were, the North Koreans would shut down a nuclear facility 
In return, they asked for all sanctions against them to be dropped, which the U.S. rejected and went on. But the North Koreans said, oh, no, no, we were completely misunderstood. We only said some of the sanctions should be removed. You know, how a country would cherry-pick certain sanctions is beyond me. But uh, what it shows is that, unfortunately, and China's doing the same thing, you use a circumstance to your benefit. But no, I think that most Western democracies and most political observers and non-political observers would look at this issue and say that this is complete nonsense. You know, Huawei Technologies, what you and I have talked about a fair bit, and I'm sure you've talked with other guests on this show, and we don't have to keep going over it over and over again, is a very controversial issue. And the reason that Canada, though, has been caught in the middle of it, A, is because Ms. Wangzu was arrested in Vancouver, B.C., and two, because the United States is in the middle of a huge tariff battle with China, so the easiest way to attack the U.S., A, is directly, which they are doing, and they're having obviously certain issues, but also indirectly, because you have your friend, ally, and closest trading partners sitting right here in Canada. So this is actually a very easy way to go after them, too, because they look at China, uh, sorry, they look at Canada as being a middle power. We are smaller than the United States. We don't have as much influence or as much power or strength. So it's easier to come against us or come after us. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, the problem is that the Trudeau liberals have opened the door to these, these types of stories, as preposterous as they are, because of the way that, at least according to Jody Wilson-Raybould, the Trudeau government may have tried to interfere or pressure her to get involved in the criminal proceedings with NSC Lavalin, which basically breaks the direction or the invisible barrier between government and the judicial system. So, from the Chinese perspective, it's easy pickings to choose from. All right. uh, As far as the two Canadians who have been detained, now we have some sort of formal allegation. What does this mean? Well, you know, we have found, and again, you and I have discussed this a fair bit, there have been lots of allegations that have happened between China and Canada, and we've learned, either from the Globe and Mail or the National Post, and I forget which, that several hundred Canadians may have also been detained for different things. Most of them let off, you know, let off scot-free after, you know, mild interrogation and they just disappeared. But what it shows is that Canadians have been targeted by the Chinese for different things over the years and over the decades. However, Stealing state secrets, which is the current allegation, is a, is a far worse thing to do, especially in a communist tyranny like China, than it is, say, to steal bubble gum from a little shop. I mean, this is, I mean, I'm being, I'm being silly, of course, but right. the actual allegation is enormous because many people, including many Westerners, have been falsely accused in the past of stealing state secrets from another country, and they've been executed if it's allowed in that particular nation. So the two Canadians there are facing very, very serious charges. And while the Canadian government and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau have really, for the most part, skirted around the whole issue with China, Huawei, or just China-Canadian relations, basically saying that they're very disappointed, concerned, they're looking into it, etc., When you have two Canadians alleged to have stolen state secrets who could face the worst penalty that, you know, is even possible to face, and we don't know for sure what has happened, but we have to suspect that the Chinese government is using this charge as retaliation against what's happening with Huawei and Meng Wanzhou, 
then they really have to comment. They have to act. They have to say something. And most importantly, they have to condemn it in no uncertain terms as quickly as possible. Uh, What is the relationship between these two that are detained? Do they know each other? Not as far as I know. I've never heard anything that they were, you know, there's any sort of relationship. No, not as far as I know. And now, I mean, let's put it this way. If hypothetically this is true, yeah, there may be some sort of an association. So your point is valid, Scott, from that point. But publicly, we don't know of anything that ties them together. But then again, if you look at all the other Canadians who've been recently named or announced as having been detained, all of them, had nothing to do with one another. You know, some were school teachers, some were in business, etc. Some were just traveling the country. Now, some of them may have been from the same province, of course, but there doesn't seem to be a tie-in here. And with these two, there really doesn't seem to be anything at all. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything other than publicly no one's saying any sort of a relationship about them. Where does this go, Michael? I mean, uh, this could obviously, just the extradition could take years. Um, So where does this leave the detainees? Uh, They're stuck in limbo, basically. I think I can almost answer just like that. They, unfortunately, are at the mercy of the Chinese Communist government, unless Canada is able to make some sort of deal with them to extradite them back to Canada or bring them back to Canada and just release them on their own free will. Unfortunately... They're trapped in a system which is not a democracy. You know, it doesn't have, yes, it has a judiciary, yes, it has a state government, etc., but it doesn't operate like a democracy at all. And we know that because communism or communist countries don't do that. So for them, their lives are in huge jeopardy, which means that they could be in jail for years, as you've suggested. The court case could go on for years. They could face regular beatings, threats against their life, um, you know, they may have to bring out phony testimonies or phony, uh, phony guilty pleas. God knows what they can do to save their lives or to save themselves possibly from further punishment. Because people who are held in, in communist cells in China don't necessarily get tea and caviar with yeah. every meal. Mm. They live a very, very hard life. So for them, their lives are ruined for a long period of time. Does a U.S. trade deal solve all of this, or does it make it more difficult? You see, that's the interesting question out of all this, and you and I have talked about it. If the trade war between China and the U.S. is settled, and one has to assume at some point in time it's going to be, because it's to both of the countries' benefits, politically and economically, where does that take everybody else? Does that mean that all of a sudden these two detainees and others, say, from Canada, are just going to be released because the whole matter is over? It would be nice if that's the way it ended. I think that would make a lot of sense, and that would be great. But I think that the Chinese government will probably double down excuse me, on some of these detainees because they have to ensure that some of them look like, quote-unquote, legitimate charges. And it could be that these two that are now being reported about in terms of stealing state secrets, they could be made examples of, which means that, again, their case could go on for years. I mean, they're going to get lost in the system. And unfortunately, no matter how hard we work in diplomatic channels, that being Canada, to try to release them, it could take an enormous amount of time until they're free, if they're ever free at all. Once the, the Huawei CFO is extradited, and, and I, we have no reason to believe she won't be at this no. point, um, is that it for Canada? Are our problems over? Do this, does this be now become a, a U.S. problem? Will they start apprehending Americans, detaining Americans? 
Well, look, in theory, you would assume that's probably true. But, I mean, in practice, I don't know. The theory would be that if the, if the issue of Huawei ends and that Meng Wanzhou goes to the United States, she's extradited and by the U.S. government and taken there and tried for the crimes against her, you would hope that everything would be, you know, everything would be much easier for Canada and there would be no further issues. On the other hand, I have to be fair about this too, from the Chinese perspective, they'll be irritated at the United States for having this person who they don't wish to have abroad any further, but they'll be just as irritated with Canada for, starting, for agreeing to the extradition period or process in general and working with the United States to move her from our country to their country. So who knows, retaliation could last for a long period of time, even if the actual issue or the, the mitigating concern right now which relates to Huawei technologies, ends. So you would hope so, but I doubt it. And if anything, I think the Chinese will be very irritated if the extradition goes through. What would it be like in the Prime Minister's office today? Having never faced anything quite like that in the Prime Minister's office, that being me, because I worked in one, I'm not entirely sure how they would be reacting, but I guess we can look at it from this way. One, the Liberal government has done very, very little to actually condemn the Chinese government. They've been basically walking on eggshells around this issue, which I don't completely blame them for, as I've said to you before, because of the heavy reliance we have with China in terms of our economy. Now, I mean, as I've said before, look at all the goods in your kitchen, in your home, and look how many of them are made in China. Well, it'd be nice to sort of take your hand, sweep it all away, and say that we're never going to deal with China again because the way they're treating Canadians Unfortunately, there is a very difference between, say, political issues or problems versus economic ties. It's not right, but that's unfortunately what happens with the relations between two nations. So, it's a good question. I don't know. The Prime Minister's office needs to be, as I said, much sterner, much tougher, and they need to condemn the Chinese. They can't just walk around the issue that much now. Because stealing fake secrets is a huge, huge crime in most countries, especially a tyranny like China. So I think for them, they've got to start preparing something, be it briefing notes, public statements, anything, so that people are ready, if the media starts asking them about it, to say that, you know, more than just they're expressing their disappointment or concern with it, they have to basically come out, I think, much, much harder and condemn it maybe tie it all the way back to Huawei technologies, much the same way that the Chinese government is tying everything to NSC Lavlin. It may be the only way to get around, you know, maybe the only way to counter it. Because if Canada just continues to do what they're doing right now, Scott, which is to skate around the issue, it's not going to be acceptable any longer. And based on the way that the Canadian government has been hammered heavily because of Jody Wilson-Raybould's treatment and testimony and NSC Lavlin itself, the whole controversy behind it, and its dealings with the Libyan government, including paying out $30,000 to the late Mohammed Gaddafi's son for uh. escorts. Which, which, as I said to you the last time we were on the air, I thought was a complete nonsense. I just couldn't believe this could be true. Yet it is, and they have the receipts for it. It's just so maddening to believe something like this happened, and taxpayer money was used in this fashion, um, because NSC Lavalin gets taxpayer dollars, as we know, from the Canadian government, but as well, they donate heavily as well, primarily to the Liberal Party, which they did during that period of time. 
The Prime Minister's office, though, just can't ignore this issue any longer. They've got to deal with it directly. And if they're unwilling to, well, the Canadian people, who will eventually become the Canadian voters, or what we know as the Canadian electorate, will should basically you know, make their comments known and make their judgment known with their votes in the fall, because that's the sort of federal government we have in place. So what's the bigger issue for them this week? Uh, this issue in regard to uh, the t- detainees or uh, Gerald Butt's testimony later in the week? Oh, Gerald Butt's is foremost because it's domestic, so they have to deal with that. And obviously, the Liberal government has decided that they're going to obviously stand behind all the different people that Jody Wilson-Raybould mentioned her testimony, 11 in total, which includes the Prime Minister of this country and Mr. Butts. So they, that's the first and foremost, that's the issue they have to deal with. Secondly, they're trying to change the channel right now, as we probably noticed, and, and talk, I'm sorry to laugh, and talk about their climate change plan and hope that that's going to, that little carrot in the stick is going to change everybody's opinions and we're going to start following that. I know that they have no other, you know, there's well, no he, he, you're kidding, right? He's not going to start. I mean, we know he said that in his, in his statement when he resigned or oh, stepped yeah. down, but you think he's going to talk about climate change? Yep. Yep, I do. Much the same way he tried to talk about the space program that we're dealing with last week. What does that have to do with any of this? It doesn't have to do with anything. It's basically, it's a deflection tactic. Basically, they're trying to say, look at this pretty little diamond I have over here. Don't worry about NSC Lavalin. It's just, you know, it's a little thing we're dealing with. So he's going to set the stage for the next election? Well, it's preposterous, but I think that's the way they're going to try to do it. If you have a controversy ta- you know, following you everywhere you go, your only strategy, Scott, is to bring out something else. Mm. They have no heavy guns, so this is what they're probably going to do. What about the new polling over the weekend that says that this is, is in fact, having an, an impact? We've talked about this before. How much is this resonating with Canadians? It appears it is. Yes, it is resonating with Canadians. We don't have an official poll as of yet, but the fact that you look at Angus Reid, their February 24th poll, which showed the Tories ahead of the Liberals by seven points, that's deadly. That's basically a change of 10 to 11 points overall in the past few weeks. And one has to assume that the distance between the Tories and the Liberals now, according to most opinion polls, would be even larger than that. So this issue of NSC Lavalin is hammering them badly. And quite frankly, anything that Justin Trudeau does, any sort of testimony like Gerald Butts is going to have in front of the uh, Parliamentary Justice Committee, they're just hoping it's going to change the channel. It's not, because I think a lot of Canadians have made up their mind and they trust Jody Wilson-Raybould's statements and her meticulous you know, defense of her own position, including quotes from about 11 different senior liberal officials versus no matter what the liberals bring out on the other side, it's just not going to have the same weight or oomph, if you'd like, that she brought to the table. Michael Tobe has been with us, Troy Media syndicated columnist, contributor to the Washington Times. As always, Michael, thanks so much. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Scott. Have a great day. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.